shooter on the field on the floor right Easy now. to get it in. Here's McClung. Getting to midcourt. It's him to shoot it. Long range. James Akinjo, Mac McClung. McKinjo has officially taken over DC, and soon the big fucking East. What a game. That was unbelievable. It was something. You go into this game, you blow the lead against St. John's late. Lose that in the most Georgetown fashion of all time. You blow a 17-point lead at Xavier. You're 1-2. Your season's hanging on life support right now. James Akinjo pulls up that ill-advised three. Down one in regulation. Ewing didn't call a timeout because James waved him off. Providence hit those two free throws. They did a really good job of hitting their free throws down the stretch. And Mac McClung. With a shot from the fucking heavens <laughs> to save our season. And then we tried to blow it again. <laughs> but you know what? The Lord decided to shine his light down on this Jesuit school yeah. instead of one in Providence. And James Akinjo <laughs> hit one from NBA range. Yeah, we, we definitely had some kind of Lord on our side for that game. Yeah, yeah I would think so. Too. Yeah. Those two shots were insane. Yeah. They were almost like angels came down to save us in the form of the wings tattooed on Max's back. Yeah, we were. I think I said something pretty stupid in my broadcast. I was like, he may have just gotten a grizzly bear tattooed on his pec, but he's got the eye of the tiger, and it turns yeah. out he has a tattoo of a tiger on his <laughs> leg. Dude is fucking alpha. I'm gonna ask him about that. You know, when we get him on the podcast, and he's gonna, I'm gonna get the weirdest look. He's gonna just be smiling. like, how, he's like you... how the fuck do you know this? He's like, don't worry about it. But yeah, don't, don't worry about, about it. it. But yeah, <laughs> welcome back everyone to um, DC takes DC's take fives first episode of 2019. <gasps> Hope you guys all had um, a very happy and healthy New Year. I know it's been a little while since we did our last episode, but a lot's happened in Georgetown basketball, um, and we're here to break it all down. Yeah, we're sitting two and two in Big East play, fifth. In the conference, I'd say we're right about where we expected us to be. Yeah. It's a little disappointing that we didn't... Honestly, we easily could have started 4-0. Mm-hmm. And I think you can make the argument we should have started 4-0. I think the game that you could have argued that we deserved to lose most was the game that we just won against Providence. <laughs> yeah, we definitely played the worst in that game. Yeah. Um, so, thankfully, we're still in the hunt. And that's all that really matters. And I think Coach Ewing put it best in his post-game presser. He's like, these guys are finally beginning to understand that there are no gimmies in the Big East. Yeah. Every single game is a dogfight. And that's exactly what you need in that locker room. You need dogs. You need guys who are willing to sacrifice their body, their roles, for the greater good of the team in pursuit of that elusive W. Oh, my God, yeah. 
And I think that what we've seen so far is a lot of positives and a lot of negatives from the team. Uh, but one thing that can't be denied is that they're continuing to grow and get better. Yeah, I think that's 100% true. I mean, this team doesn't win that game in non-conference schedule. I mean, hell, this team wouldn't win this game if it was the first game of Big East play. Mm-hmm. It really took a lot of maturity, mental toughness, perseverance, resiliency to claw back from an 11-point deficit using the bench. Bench players. Grayson yeah. Carter yeah. was the key to bringing us back in this game. Mm-hmm. Who'd have thought? Grayson Carter! <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Well, let's, let's save some of that for the actual podcast, but... Um, yeah, we're going to be breaking down the four games that Georgetown have had thus far in Big East play, and we're recording this now on the heels of their huge game against number 15 ranked Marquette tomorrow night at 8.30. Um, we'll preview that and uh, kind of maybe give a brief update to our, our Big East predictions and projections from when we made them uh, over winter break. Absolutely. With that, let's get going, Carter. Hell yeah. This song has grown on me so it much. Really, I'm in such a dancing mood this year. I feel it's, it's a new me in 2019. Dude, yeah. It was right before, right before my broadcast started on Saturday at noon. I just walked into the bathroom and I stared at myself in the mirror. And I played that and I was like, you're the man. You're the man. You go get it, boy. As much, <laughs> as, much as I want that to, true, I, to be true, I know it's not. There's no way. Did you see me do it? <laughs> no. Then you don't know if it's true or not. <laughs> But let's dive into the game a little bit. Yeah. Um, Georgetown obviously won 96-90 to in double OT, a thriller. Capital One Arena was packed. Oh, yeah. I mean, we couldn't have picked a better time to have a game like this, a time when nobody was really doing anything, thanks to Syllabus Week. <laughs> nobody had work, uh-huh. and everybody had every reason. If you had tickets to go out and see Georgetown play... Mac McClung made his return from a four-game hiatus due to a high ankle sprain that he mm-hmm. sustained in practice. So it was great that the freshman and Jesse Govan played the way that they did to give these fans a reason to come back wanting more. Because mm. yeah. this is a game where everybody thought, including myself, I'm sure including you in the stands, thinking, wow, what another Georgetown way to fucking lose. Like, yeah. just when you think you've seen it all... No, you haven't. And it happened twice. And both times, we pulled it out of our ass and managed to come out with a W. I know. I know. The point you made about uh, fan attendance was actually really interesting because um, as I was checking you know, the Twitters during the game, someone uh, tweeted that uh, the announcer said that with like 12 minutes left in the first half, oh, the crowd is finally starting to fill in here. And given that this was the first game that I went to as a fan... Um, this season, it was really interesting to see kind of um, the interaction the team has with the crowd. I feel like in the past few years, there hasn't been as much of a like personal interest in like the actual players on the team. And given the highs and lows of this game, it was like an emotional roller coaster. Um, I think that it it the way that the crowd just almost like 
joyfully breathed a sigh of relief as the buzzer went off to um, at the end of double overtime. It was mm-hmm. like, you know, it was it proved that we were as invested in the game as the players were. Yeah, it was nice to see, and it was great to see the videos pop up on Twitter to see the crowd reaction from the crowd mm. because you could see they were sitting baseline where Jagan inbounded the ball got it to Mac and you could hear people going Mac! Mac! Please! <laughs> please! And then everybody just erupted. Oh my god, yeah. I, I, in the, I was in the student section and everyone just lost their shit. Yeah. I, I, oh I was broadcasting and I lost my shit. <laughs> <laughs> my yeah. favorite reaction though, the crowd went nuts. Everybody ran onto the court to celebrate and all Ewing could do was just smile. <laughs> the Ewing grin. All he could do now. was smile. And Mac made eye contact with him and pointed at him and was like, that's for you, big fella. Because <laughs> Ewing, Ewing knew he witnessed a great shot right there in a oh player who was unafraid to step up when it meant the most for his yeah. team. Yeah, and Mac hadn't even played most of the second half yeah, in favor could. of Greg. Mm-hmm. Ewing opting for the longer lineup in favor of defensive matchups rather than play the younger guard who was feeling it more on the offensive end. Um, yeah. And he was probably facing a little bit of a minute restriction. Ewing probably didn't want to push his angle yeah. too much. But thankfully he was forced to because yeah. if Greg doesn't foul out on that last play, does Ewing put Mac in for that last possession? I don't know. I really don't know. And then we have we probably have James taking that shot instead of him. Yeah, and honestly, James had James, James had his moment later in that game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It just it, it was a nice back and forth from the freshman. I think that looked like the same play that um, he drew up at the end of the Syracuse game, if I if I remember correctly. I believe so. It was interesting because you know there was about ten seconds left, right, in the first overtime, and we were down by. Uh, three at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Um, because because fucking Alpha Diallo. Yeah, I'll get to that play in a second. <laughs> um, but it was interesting that Ed Cooley elected to play straight up rather than foul James mm. or another player on the Hoyas and send them to the line, forcing them to shoot two and play that little game. Mm. I mean, granted, that's a risky strategy in itself because if the player recognizes you're about to foul them and they just put up a shot, you you go to the line for three. But regardless, Ashton Langford actually played good defense on that play. James took a long three by NBA standards and buried it. Yeah. There was, I think, a little bit of miscommunication there on whoever uh, Jesse's man was. Yes. Because they they just, like, didn't switch or get Mm -hmm. over the screen properly. So even though it was a long shot, it was a pretty open shot. And honestly, the way that play was looking, that was probably the best look we were going to get. Yeah, and I think James knew that as well. He was kind of hesitating. You could see that Provit... I thought that they were going to go Govan in that situation. Yeah, I thought Jesse would, would kind of flare out. In the reasoning, I thought they were going to go to Govan over Akinjo or over Javon, and that was the only play Javon had in that game, um, was just due to how big Jesse was. I was expecting Providence to really guard the three line, and quite frankly, James and Javon just don't have the height and the length to get an open look if they're being crowded. Meanwhile, Jesse... Yeah. Did. Yeah. So that was the only reason I thought they were going to try to go to Govan because he probably would have had the best chance of getting, you know, a decent look with someone on him. But, you know, thankfully <laughs> there was a tad bit of a miscommunication. Yeah. And it resulted in James showing his uh 
his big no- cojones, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah cojones. <there> you go. <laughs> yeah, a little Freudian slip there. Yeah, you know, I did it on purpose. <laughs> Just for the record. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great recognition from him on that part and, and a hell of a shot. Yeah, but uh, I do want to go back to the start of the game because it wasn't all positives, even though we did win. Providence came out and gave us a shot to the jaw. Yeah, right off the in bat. the form of six foot ten, two hundred fifty pound center Nate Watson. Yeah, it, it wasn't even just Nate Watson. Early on, Khalif Young, even though he only played ten minutes, was devastating us from mid range. Mm. You could see that Jesse was a little bit slow contesting shots. He wasn't getting it done defensively in the post, and Nate Watson was just on freaking guardable yeah. for a while. And they built a thirty six to twenty five lead. About like four minutes left, or no, not four minutes. Maybe like seven minutes left in the first half. Yeah, around around there, and Georgetown, Ewing, you could tell he had enough, and everybody in the stadium knew we needed to win this game, mm-hmm. and so Ewing went to our optimal lineup, featuring James Akinjo, Caleb Johnson, Grayson Carter, <laughs> Josh was I think Josh was out there too, and I believe Malinowski was yeah. as well, and that was the lineup that brought us back. Yeah, on the back of Grayson Carter hitting two threes. Yeah, and what was interesting, though, was we noted this during our broadcast. Georgetown's help defense the entire first half, especially in the post, was so sloppy, so late, and just the communication and effort just wasn't there. And that's why Watson was just so successful, because the perimeter defenders just weren't flaring in. And you could see that. Grayson Carter isn't as strong as Nate Watson. Yeah. He, he's not as strong as Jesse Govan either. either. Yeah. But the help defense yeah. was crucial to helping Carter stay on him and really limit him in the post. Yeah, and let, let's not act like Nate Watson's some all-American center either. Like no, He's a not. solid player, but he, he was treating Jesse like a ragdoll. Yeah. I mean, that's concerning for Jesse, too. Yeah. Because Jesse, albeit, had a phenomenal game. 33 points, 14 boards, 4 blocks, yeah. only 2 turnovers, playing 42 minutes. Yeah. And he shot 8 of 11 from the line. Yeah. I mean, offensively, Jesse has everything you want. Yeah. It's just that at times, he's he just looks overmatched on the defensive end. And you saw that against Xavier as well. He couldn't guard Hanky McSpanky in the post. Yeah, Hanky fucking McSpanky, man. That's, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to him in a minute. But yeah, Jesse's kind of in a no-man's land where physically he's, his quickness and his ability to guard bigs that can stretch the floor is limited, right? Mm-hmm. But then you also, when you put him up against a real bruiser like Nate Watson, who somehow weighs five pounds less than him, even though he looks significantly bigger than Jesse... Um, and he just he gets bullied. Like yeah. even in the post, he was falling for pump fakes. There were a lot of drop steps that uh, Watson was getting through on. Like I think that's been a theme in the four Big East games thus far too. Yes. Jesse's defense really hasn't been that good. I agree with that entirely, and it's unfortunate. But I mean, you could you could definitely make the argument that he certainly makes up for it on the offensive end. Yeah. But I would say one of my favorite performances in this game. Came from JP, DeMarco Pickett. Yes. The dude was a dog on mm. defense. He played volleyball. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was swatting balls into the stands. Yeah. He was aggressive, and his help defense was so good for most of the game. And timely for most of the game. I know I know the play you're going to talk about. But yeah, 
Four blocks between him and Jesse was great. And Jamarco, I think, in general, has been so much better on defense this year than either of us expected. You can, and you can see, like, he's holding up better physically. Oh, of course, yeah. You see where the, the 15 pounds he added in the offseason is helping him now. Um, and also, it's just, I think he's he's better spatially at using his length to alter shots. Like, he realized he doesn't have to get as close, his body doesn't have to get as close to people because he has, like, you know, What's the word? Like slender man arms? Mm-hmm. So um, His wingspan is just enormous. It's over it, seven feet. Yeah, I know. Between him and Josh, it's like, whoa. But, yeah. Um, yeah, the fact that he's able to contribute so much without really his shot uh, or offensively being as you know versatile as he was last year is such a welcome sight because I had mentioned this earlier in the podcast. His role could be as like you know a fourth option, but just a great defender. I mean, there have even been games this year where he's led us in assists. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I did want to talk about this podcast in particular was the development and the growth of JP. Most people kind of expect... That's not going to catch on either, FYI. JP? No. Nah. I, I was calling him on, I was calling him JP on my... Uh, on the Marco! Podcast. Marco. <laughs> Marco. That, that's even worse. I know. Well, I mean, we started calling him JP because it's just easier to text yeah. that than pick it over Or Jamarco. That's a tough name to spell. Yeah. Like, a lot of people were confused last year whether it was an A or an O. It's an O. Just, yeah, it's an O. Yeah, it is. Like We both learned that the hard way, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But, um, it should be Jamorco, right? If you yeah, pronounce Jamorco. it phonetically, I yeah. But that's the English and, language yeah, for you. It's fucking weird. Uh. Um, but regardless, that most people kind of expected him to blossom into the number two option offensively to Jesse. But I would argue that he his development, while it's not what everyone expected on the offensive end, his defense is just as crucial if not more important than his offensive um, than his offensive production thanks to the ability and uh, consistency of McClung Kinjo and even Malinowski for the most part yeah so Jamarco's defense having that length the strength and the quickness and recognition the help defense everything about him as a defensive player this year has been so big for Georgetown and you could see he was at, he was matched up with Alpha Diallo most of the second half and again for the most part did a great job on him yeah for the game i think Diallo was like 9 of 24 which is bad like yeah, period he was 9 of 24 yeah and i mean i don't know um Outside of the few uh, clutch threes that he hits, that, that that's even a word. He probably hit like three clutch threes. That's six mm-hmm. for 21. Um, I think, yeah, Jamarco's development hasn't been sexy by any means or yeah. eye-opening. But for real fans, he fits a very, very badly needed niche on this team. Yes. Um, you know, with his ability to contest shots, to help on drives, even if it's just by getting his hand in there. Um and also, you know, rebound, too, and, and get blocks and steals and just, like, even make the right play. Um, I, I think even there were a couple instances, like, he got all of his points from hard drives to the rim in this game, which um, was so awesome to see, too, because we know he has the tendency to sometimes chuck up threes mm-hmm. um, when he doesn't really trust himself to get inside as much. But he was he was seeking the contact and, like, taking the initiative to... Uh, against Providence. He had a real nice play, a little give and go with Jesse, Whoa. and then he put Malik White on a poster. 
Yeah. And then he kind of bumped him a little bit, said something, yeah, and he yeah. back, and, and uh, White gave him a little bit of an elbow, and mm-hmm. I was like, yes! Big East, baby! Yeah. The, the one thing that killed me, killed me, it ruined a perfect game from Pickett, for me, was, it was in the overtime, we were down one, and all we needed to do was not give up a three. He was guarding Alpha Diallo. We had a great defensive possession, and Diallo got a screen, and Pickett thought that he could quickly slip under the screen and then contest the three, so he went under, gave Diallo just what he needed to get a good look from three, and he buried it yeah. to what I thought was going to be the dagger. But thankfully, James was able to draw a foul on his three-point shot yeah, yeah. and was able to go up and... Knock them all down. Yeah, which was also a very, very clutch three shots from the line. Yeah. So that was the only blemish for me for DeMarco's game. But other than that, I think he was easily the biggest unsung hero for Georgetown that afternoon. Yeah. I I think he's kind of filled that role for us now. Mm-hmm. He's, he's our Swiss Army knife that... Get probably gets a lot more hate than he deserves, but um, can really be the. I think he's the X factor for our team. I would agree with that, and you could tell. I you touched on that in your previous statement, but his touch around the rim has gotten so much better, mm-hmm. and you could tell he's being a little bit more controlled when he goes in, rather than trying to get all the way to the hole. He's rather than he's recognizing when he can and when he can't. And when he can't, he adjusts his body properly to get a better look at the rim. And he's seeing results. He was three of six. And all three points, I mean, all six points were, you know, they were two-pointers, which is unusual because Jamarco usually only feels comfortable shooting from three-point range. So that's an offensive development that is a welcome sight. Yeah, yeah. And it's weird because he was even... uh doing a little bit of that towards the end of last year. I remember the game against, I think, Xavier when he had his career high of Mm -hmm. 21. He was making these crazy up-and-under shots, um, really just using his length more than anything. But these were, like, these were manly manly drives. You know what I mean? He was, like, um, most of them were towards my end, two of the student section, so I was able to see him. He was, I mean, he was was taking some serious contact. Yes, he was. And he's a strong guy. And that's another props to Coach Ewing, in my opinion, He's just good with working with his players. And you could you could tell how much this game mean to him. Oh the yeah. Very the very, towards the end of double overtime, we had pretty much iced the game. We were up five and James had gotten fouled. It was about six seconds left. And he was out on the court. He had his tie. And he's just swinging the tie, <laughs> screaming. And all of a sudden, as James misses the second free throw, Ewing turns and just threw the tie into the stands. Really? And just gave a little bit of a fist pump. Holy oh, shit. It was awesome. You could tell how excited he was. Wow. I didn't even I didn't even know he did that. Oh, he threw the tie. Man. He, when he threw the tie, oh, my heart, <laughs> it was just full. Yeah, yeah. Cause Life had meaning again. Yeah, because everybody said, you know, Ewing's biggest win was at Illinois. He had Syracuse this year. He had St. John's. He, they should have won at Xavier. Yeah. And this, I think we, if this season goes well, this game was the turning point. 100%. I mean, this 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 isn't as personal as the St. John's or the Q's games, mm-hmm. 
But in terms of a pure coaching decision and a pure quality of opponent position, um, this is definitely our biggest win. And it's I saw. I didn't mean to cut you off, but like mm-hmm. I saw, I think Providence was like nine and one in their last ten games against us. Yes, that's ridiculous. They've had our number for the past like six or seven years. <laughs> yeah, as has like the entire Big East. <laughs> yeah. And Providence, they're only they're zero and three, which is beyond me. I mean, granted, they don't have I, AJ Reeves, who's probably their yeah. second best player, but. Ed Cooley, in my opinion, is a top two coach in the Big East, probably behind Jay Wright. Yeah. And he always gets his guys to play this rough riding, we're gonna we're gonna grind it out, we're gonna play tough defense, yeah. and we're gonna make your life absolutely miserable for forty minutes. So to be able to go at go after Providence and play them and beat them in that way, in the way that we did it. Through resiliency, determination, believing in one another. It was just a really marvelous sight to see. Yeah. I know I know I picked in our Big East preview that I think I thought we would beat Providence twice. And that was mostly because I didn't I didn't think they were as good as what I saw. Um, Ed Cooley's a hell of a coach. He's mm-hmm. you know he's coaching the US team this summer at the Pan Am games. He got selected. Well, that's great for him. Yeah. He is a No, but that's like that's national recognition there. Mm-hmm. He um I think his name kind of got a little bit more in the national spotlight during Providence's Big East uh, Conference tournament run. When they came back, they were down about 13 points against Xavier, came mm. back and beat him in overtime. And people don't remember this because Providence, unfortunately, got bounced by A&M, A&M in the tournament in the first round. A&M was just a brutal matchup for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw what they did to Syracuse. Not Syracuse. UNC. UNC. Yeah. Um, but Providence played Villanova the closest out of any one of their tournament matchups. Mm-hmm. They brought it overtime, and they had a chance to beat them on a last shot, and the last shot rimmed out. Wow. People don't remember that, but Providence was the team that played the Villanova team that steamrolled everyone they played in the yeah. tournament the closest. And I think that was when people were like, wow. This dude could coach. Cooley was so into that game that his pants freaking ripped. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Had the towel around them. Yeah. To be honest, I'm waiting for Ewing's signature moment when his pants ripped. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, I, I don't want to see that. I'm sorry. Hey, he's, he's emulating John Thompson, though. He's got the towel already. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. I was going to say he needs like five undershirts. <laughs> he sweats. Hey, I mean, something's working, but yeah. if there's one player I do want to touch on mm-hmm. before we move on, though, is Josh LeBlanc. Oh, I wanted to, too. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, because Josh is, you know, he hasn't been scoring as much as late, mm-hmm. but I still like him as a starter. I think we need Trey back. I yeah. very much think we yeah. do, but I think Josh should continue to start because I think he is better suited for what we want to do defensively and offensively. And I think Trey is a better person to give Jesse a break. I think they are a little bit more... I think they're more comparable than having Trey and Jesse start because that's just slower down low. mm -hmm. We're less versatile as a team, and that's problematic Especially when we play a team like Providence. Could you imagine if we started Jesse and Trey against Marquette? I mean, they'd run us off the court. We yeah. couldn't guard them. Yeah. Do, you, do you think 
that Trey Morning can go out and guard Sam Hauser on the perimeter. I mean, there's, there's no prayer. No. I mean, Trey's a nice player for what he can do, especially on the offensive end and play in the post. Like, yeah, that's great. But I just think his role is better as a senior leader who comes off the bench and can give you good, hard hustle minutes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he could probably get about six a game. Get about six and six. Oh, stat-wise. Yeah. 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 I think that his skills are more redundant with Jesse's too. Mm-hmm. They both kind of play face-up games. They can shoot. You know, Jesse's obviously a better shooter, but Trey like can hit a face-up jumper every so often. They get boards. Whereas Josh, especially in the Big East, he neutralizes a lot of the physicality of things, and I think allows Jesse to avoid some of that, avoid some of the beating that you would take. Just by you know having the most physical player guard you because we've already seen when Jesse plays really physical guys like his conditioning takes a hit and then mm-hmm. he and you know he shoots jumpers he doesn't have his legs under them um, but Josh I think absorbs some of that or maybe deflects some of it and helps Jesse stay fresher for longer but to your point about him not scoring as much I think that's also just a sign that um, that you know his skill needs to catch up to be a good offensive contributor in the Big East. Most of his buckets, I mean, Ewing even said this in the Howard post game interview. Like he doesn't draw plays up for Josh. Josh just like out hustles people, outworks them. You know, bigger, stronger, faster, all that. Mm-hmm. And the competition level is taking a step up. So yeah. um, he isn't able to do that as easily. So um, I, he's still able to contribute really well, which is good. He's rebounding super well. Which is yeah, crazy. He put up eleven boards against a long Providence team. Yeah, but gave some problems on the glass, quite frankly. Oh yeah, I mean, and he's still, um, you know, a fair amount of them are offensive too. He's not really turning the ball over, um, and I, I think his defensive rating is still the highest on the team by a pretty large margin. So you know, the advanced stats still paint a good picture of him, but mm-hmm. almost similarly to Jamarco, he his contributions will not be as obvious. He actually forward, is our team leader in rebounding. He actually lead, he's oh, more than Jesse. Yeah, he's averaging about eight point two, I believe. Yeah, he's averaging eight point two. Jesse's averaging seven point nine. Man, I, I forget sometimes that these guys are freshmen. Yeah, to be honest, I mean nothing really faces them, which is, I think, it's interesting that the four freshmen, and I'm going to include Grayson in there uh-huh. simply because of what he. What his contribution meant to the team yesterday uh-huh. and his ability to, you know, he didn't play great against Butler. He's a big reason why Butler came back early on in the first half. He just didn't seem ready. Yeah. And, you know, that resulted in him not seeing minutes until this very moment in the Big uh, in Biggie's play. But for him to have the confidence to basically say to Coach Ewing, I got this. I'm going to come in and I'm going to help stem this tide and get us back in this game. It shows that all four freshmen, they're unfazed, they're ready, they're hungry. But I also think it's a trend in how Ewing likes to recruit players. Hmm. He's not interested in players who aren't – they're not completely ready for it mentally. I think he's a big believer in – it's okay if you don't have everything right now skill-wise, but I want guys who are ready to compete, hustle, and want the ball, want to be on the court at the very end of games, and that's those are the guys we want. I, I, I keep going back to this is my Jets fandom in me, 
And, um, you know, my favorite player on their team is Jamal Adams. He's a mm. strong safety, mm. hell of a leader, hell of a player. And after the Jets Week 17 beat down by the Patriots, he just sat in the locker room. He's like, I'd be lying to you if I told you we had talent on this team. We need dogs. We need people who are going to go out and fucking fight. And those are the players that I think Coach Ewing is interested in recruiting. Yeah, I agree. Because that's, you know, you can't expect all freshmen to be like Zion or any of the Dukies and come in and just be studs. So the growing pains aren't, they're not a welcome sight, but they're an expected one, right? But the fact that, you know, it's not so much, right, to use a Rocky quote, it's not so much if you get hit, but it's your ability to get up after you get hit. And keep getting up, because I think this team's already taken multiple punches to the face this year. Um, it's a most, fighter's mentality, man. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And that, that, I think, is what ultimately determines whether or not, like, you reach the pinnacle of whatever success you're looking for, right? You know, bigger picture, like, you got to have some, some grit and some resiliency. Yeah. It's so interesting getting inside the head of athletes and seeing how they face adversity mm-hmm. and you you I guarantee you if we sat down with Big Pat and we asked him we were like all right what's your head coaching record against this like person he'd probably know yeah it's funny because you know the Jets hired this guy Adam Gase and he's facing a lot of like negative reaction by fans cuz he didn't yeah. do great in Miami mm-hmm. but I actually like the hire because of his personality and willingness to compete and get better Apparently, in their interview with him, they asked him a question. They were like, do you know your record against this head coach? Apparently, he just goes, oh, and two, and he's never going to fucking beat me again. Wow. I love that. You need that in sports. Yeah. You got to have that. I think that's why so many people like sports, mm-hmm. even if they're not like athletes. Yeah. They just they, they see that in the athletes and they respect it. And it's like transferable to everybody's own life. Yeah, to whatever whatever sport you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever battle you're going through. Yeah, it's like, you know what? It's like me and my diet. It's like one <laughs> day at a step. I'm yeah. trying to get this six pack, yeah, baby. baby. Yeah. Hashtag team. Uh, it's like Punta Cana. <laughs> hashtag team Punta Cana, baby. The whitest kid <laughs> on the beach. Yeah, just bring your sunscreen. That's yeah. all I'm going to say. Dan versus the sun. <laughs> the sun is favored by minus a thousand. <laughs> Round one, TKO incoming. Oh, bro. <laughs> it would be a brutal knockout, too. Yeah. Last thing you want to do is fall asleep on the beach, wake up, and then... Yeah, that's not happening. I don't sleep on the beach. Okay. Like, I'm, when, you, when, you, when I go to the beach, I'm not, like, someone who can, like, lay down in the sand. Like, screw that. I'm going in the water. Yeah? Like, okay. I love the waves. Love that stuff. What do you, you, like, do you go out deep and stuff? Oh, yeah. I'll go out deep. I mean, I won't be... I, I'll always be able to stand. Okay. I'll always be able to stand. I mean, that's not too deep for you, though. Yeah, no. <laughs> standing at a 5'9", <laughs> hey, it's average. Yeah, hey, hey. Um, but it's been a while since I took a jab. Yeah, you know, the height ones, you know, two of my best friends are 6'4 and 6'5", respectively. <laughs> so I kind of look like an Oompa Loompa when I walk in between the two of them. Hey, they're your bodyguards when you're a famous broadcaster. Oh, yeah. We've got Big Craig coming in. Yeah. Well, who knows? Maybe Craig has a career in the booth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said uh, he did the most recent game with you, right? The yeah. Providence one? Yeah, he did a nice job. Uh, he really liked it, apparently. So, uh, yeah, good job by him. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, all this talk about fighting, 
another another quality of a good fighter is the ability to look at their mistakes in the face and admit that they made them. Mm-hmm. So uh, as much as we would love to harp on the great victory over Providence, we also got some some less positive results to dissect. Yeah, unfortunately, um, all we need to do is uh, look at Xavier and look at St. John's. At St. John's, we have them. I yeah. think that's all we can we, say. We yeah. had them. We had them beat. I mean, when Jamarco Pickett hit that three-pointer to put us up, I thought it was it. Yeah. I thought, holy crow. We got this. <laughs> We're going to win. Holy and, crow. Yeah. Um, but, unfortunately... Javon um, ended up turning the ball over down the stretch, and I think it's a very, very fair statement to say that he was fouled. I thought he was fouled. Um, he was getting hacked. Unfortunately, the officials didn't call it because, you know, it, it's. Listen, I thought it was fifty-fifty. I thought they had been one thing that frustrated me about that play, mm-hmm. and this might just be me ranting, but with about four, four minutes, three and a half minutes left in that game. James was guarding Shamori Pons, and he got called for a hand check about 30 feet from the rim. And we were in the St. John's in the double bonus, Mm -hmm. and that was James's fourth foul. If you're going to call that, you need to call Javon getting swarmed by both players on St. John's. And it wasn't like both of them had their hands in the air. They were reaching in, going for the ball. And... You sent me a tweet saying apparently Ewing and his coaching staff were so incensed by the officiating that they were thinking about sending an official complaint to the league. And quite frankly, you can't – if you're an official, all you want to do in your job is to call a game well enough to the point that the calls are fair, especially for both sides. Mm -hmm. You don't want want partisan officiating. And you want to let the players decide the game. And I understand that's what they were trying to do, but the officiating just wasn't consistent. Yeah. I think that's a complaint both of us had about the game. It it was so tough, too, because we were clearly playing the best together that we had all year. Mm -hmm. And we wanted this game so badly, I could tell. Just like the Syracuse game, this was very personal for Pat going up against Chris Mullen. And even though um, we had played St. John's well in the regular season last year, they beat us in the Big East tournament, so I'm sure that was really fresh in his mind. Um, and you could see that you know everyone stepped up, too. We, we didn't shoot super well from the field, but like we were hitting clutch shots. We were playing really good defense for some mm-hmm. stretches, super locked in. And just to see, it, to see it crumble like that was just so disheartening. I mean, one thing that we can point to, we were down by eight points right off the bat in overtime. And we still found a way to battle back and yeah. make it a game for the last possession. And if I'm going to be honest with you, Carter, St. John's has a lot of talent. Yeah. They have an All-American player in Shimori Pons who, quite frankly, he just looked flat out unguardable that day. Yeah, he dicked us. <laughs> That's putting it nicely. He... There were just some plays where Jagan was just all over him. Just a little step back. Jagan, perfect defense, didn't matter. Yeah. And he's six foot one. Yeah. Like, I, I, I my buddy texted me because he bet Georgetown money line, even though I told him not to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
um, he goes, wise words. Yeah, he was like, how do you guard Shimori Pons? And do you want to know what I said? You don't. You hope he misses. Yeah. <laughs> For real. No. It's, uh, some of these shots, even the uncontested ones, you could just see how much practice he had put in. Mm-hmm. Like, there was, I think I told you about this. It was one of his first baskets. It was off the inbound, but, like, he was fading towards the baseline. But it was a bad pass, so he caught it, like, way over here, and then just shot at rhythm, swish. And I'm like, okay, so this... This is how it's going to be today. Yeah. And if I'm going to be entirely honest with you, I thought Ewing just flat out outcoached Mullen in that game. Oh, yeah. 100%. I honestly, like, this might be a bit of a hot take. I think Mullen's a shitty fucking head coach. I don't think he's that good. I, I mean, granted, okay, so St. John's doesn't have the most depth yeah. on this team. They only played eight guys in that game. But... And I guess he's still developing, but I really thought that you and Coach circles around him. I didn't think St. John's ran a ton of really well-developed inbound plays. And listen, you Mullen gets his guys to go out and fight, and that's a good quality to have. Yeah. But I'm just curious because this is a team that's a sweet 16 caliber team this year. Ooh. Absolutely. Okay. They can run people out. They can spread out a team, and they have arguably a top five player in the country when he's hot. Yeah. Yeah. And Shimori's got some Kemba in him. So I think Mm. this is a year where you look at this team and this program critically. Like, Mullen has had the point where he can recruit players. He's used the transfer window, the transfer, like, to bring in players better than most coaches in the country. I yeah, would say. that's true. Bringing in Marvin Clark, LJ Figueroa. Figueroa is a phenomenal utility player. Yeah, he he really impressed me in the game. His length and like uh, activity on defense mm-hmm. was so good. So I do think. All right. So what I said, you know, bad coach definitely overstated it. It was just me being annoyed and frustrated, taking out my emotions yeah. on that. But I do think that. If St. John's is going to live up to their talent this year, Mullen is going to need to step up his game. Because I agree with and, that. and you look at what they did at Villanova, you know, they just they crumbled. And yeah. you could see just, you know, Villanova just outclassed them. Yeah. Villanova's not as talented as St. John's in my opinion. Yeah. But, you know, when you have the heart of a champion, the championship medal championship coach, you find ways to win those games. Yeah. And you can see that Mullen is still trying to find that within himself as a coach. Yeah. You're talking about Villanova or are you talking about DePaul? Because they both beat St. John's. Really? So DePaul beat St. John's? <laughs> yeah. Wow. I know. Talking about Heart of a Champion, am I right? Yeah, I was they, talking about the Nova. <laughs> I, put, uh, I, actually, uh, I know, I know. You're I, right. I was messing with you. Yeah, it, right. was, it was without Shimori, but they beat him. Wow. So... Look at look at how important Shimori is to their team. Well, yeah, they're they're just not very deep. Their starting five is the best in the Big East, without question, in my opinion. Yeah, when it's I complete. agree. Yeah, but you could see what happened, especially in the overtime period, when we were able to get that team into foul trouble. They only had two players yeah. left. Yeah, yeah, that's why I was really hoping it would go to a second overtime. Oh, we I, had him. we had him if it, yeah if Javon hit that shot, but. Um, to your point about St. John's, I think, um, I think that they're 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 a tough out, but I think they only play one way, which is which is kind of a boomer bust style a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I I saw especially during periods they like would go six minutes without scoring, 
um, and then rattle off like three threes in a row. And then even in the overtime, they hit us with like this huge surge and then didn't score the rest of the way. Yeah. Um, and, and that just it worried me a little bit. I mean, we're not here to analyze St. John's, obviously, but um, like we had kind of predicted, it was it was nice to see Georgetown hang with them. But I think we're past the point of moral victories. We are 100 yeah. percent past the point of moral. So victories. that was it. Was honestly really disappointing to see that, and it was honestly even more disappointing to see what happened against Xavier the game after. We were just running the floor with them for the first half, and then just. The roof or the the floor fell out from us. I mean, Xavier. Okay, so it was funny. I was talking to my buddy. He's a good friend of mine. He goes to Xavier, and he texted me. He was just like, "Any team that has a talented big man is a horrendous matchup for us." And because I, I I tweeted out, Xavier's a real solid defensive team. Georgetown can't overlook this matchup because they will go out and beat us. And he was basically like, there's no freaking way. And he was right for the first 15, 16, 17 minutes of that game. Yeah. We wiped the floor with them better in every single asset of the game. Yeah. Up and down, aggressive. And as soon as Travis Steele smashed the clipboard and switched into his zone, it threw us off for the rest of the game. Yeah, they out rebounded us. They out hustled us, and Zach Hankins, Hanky McSpanky, and Tyreek Jones devoured us in the post. Yeah, maybe Bill Walton was right when he was saying that the All American campaign for Hanky McSpanky started this year. I mean, Bill Walton is a uh, well, you know, <laughs> he's a national treasure. Yeah, I would love to sit down and just have dinner with the man. It would probably be the most Fun, random conversation yeah. you'd ever have with a person. It would be. I, there was no. I would not be able to be sober for it. Oh, you need to have a couple <laughs> of beers, a couple of mixed drinks, yeah, just to let the, let the uh, you know let the creative juices Juice come out. Oh, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> you know half the time you think he is drunk when he's announcing. Yeah, he makes some great comments, like analysis at times, and then he'll just say something, and you'll be like, "What?" Yeah, yeah. But regardless, this was a game that we really thought Mac was going to come back. And yeah. I think not having him really, really hurt us in this game, especially breaking down the zone. Yeah. I, I forget when they went to it. Um, Basically it the been, entire second half. Yeah, pretty much. Because they had that little run at the end of the first half, which I think was us just mentally taking nothing run it was our taking our foot off the gas pedal Mm -hmm. um which like okay young team i I can allow that but the fact that it continued into the second half is what really worried me and we it gave us a good glimpse of how how bad we can be when we're not locked in and uh, yeah the zone too it's like we, we were comparing it right obviously mac um wasn't in this game but like how the hell are we able to play well against Syracuse's zone for a half but then Xavier locks us up like what the hell it did, that makes no sense it didn't make sense and this game really worried me beforehand because of you know the history of our performances after a brutal loss mm. especially earlier this season you know we lose that game at Syracuse and we put up a dud against SMU, a team that we easily should have beaten. Yeah. And I was nervous. We battled our hearts out against St. John's. Should have won the game. 
and coming in playing an inferior opponent, granted away, but you can't blow a 17-point lead yeah. under any circumstance. I mean, it's unacceptable. And this wasn't just a... T- this was a team loss, in my yeah. opinion. Oh, yeah. This is on Ewing. This is on the players. This is on... Even though Jesse Govan played a fantastic offensive game, 11 of 17, 8 boards, 27 points, he couldn't guard Hakeem McSpanky or Tyreek Jones down low. And this really showed the worst in how low we could go yeah. if we really put our mind to it. <laughs> <laughs> Anything is possible! Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a very interesting point about how our two backbreaking losses we haven't responded well to. That worries me a little bit, but... I mean, it's natural for... I remember when I was back playing basketball, we were in an AAU tournament, and we... Actually, it was CYO. We were CYO. We were playing our biggest rivals, and we had, in, we had taken the lead with, like, 2.30 to go. Um, we ran a fast break, and we got a layup, and we're up by one or two. And we were, there was no shot clock, so we were just holding the ball. <laughs> so we were literally going to hold it until the very yeah, end. Yeah. And one of our most valuable, our big guy fouled out, unfortunately. Cause we was that little, you? No, I was, um, <laughs> I was the power forward. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. Back in eighth grade, man. But, uh, you know, like, we eventually, like, we, our coach was an elderly man, and he accidentally subbed in the wrong player, and that ended up being the main reason why we lost by one. Oh my and the God. next game, we came out and we just laid a dud because, you know, it's just weird how yeah. you battle your heart out in one game, and if you come up a little bit short, it just, it's like a hangover, man. It just sticks yeah. with you. Because you, cause you think you deserved it. Yes. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. It, you know, Syracuse, I think we played like we had won. Um, same with St. John's. We played like we had won. And... Those are the hardest lessons to learn. Yeah, it, it's wild too because, you know, you and I are we're big sports fans. We love basketball. You know, you love basketball. You love the NBA a little bit more than I do. I'm, I'm a huge chef fan. I never thought I was gonna say that this is the team that I'm the most invested in. Same here. And it's crazy. Like when I was watching that St. John game at home, I don't think I sat the entire game. I was up, I was moving, I was screaming. I almost, I almost threw my phone at one point. I was so uh, frustrated and annoyed. Yeah. It's just crazy. And I think we could go on a little bit of a winning streak. I think this campus, a, a campus that doesn't ride or die with their basketball mm-hmm. team, could be won over. Yeah, I definitely think so. Because it's just, there's a weird energy around... Um, the team and especially the freshmen that makes them so easy to root for Mm -hmm. and I think in professional sports there's a little bit um, that's blocked a little bit by like the bureaucracy and the business aspect of it so you maybe don't feel as attached to the team that you're rooting for beyond like where they play because that really what determines Mm -hmm. what people are fans of but yeah this this is the team and that's why these losses hurt so much like, because we're not even... I'm ship sailed on the Knicks. Team Tank. Even though Knox did have fucking 31 last night. You did, yeah. Sixth youngest dude to ever do it. Sixth? Sixth. Only six guys have scored 30 before they turned 20. Wow. It's LeBron, Kobe, KD, Devin Booker, 
Knox and someone else. I'm gonna look it up right well, now. It's gonna be fun to see KD and Knox sporting the blue and orange. <laughs> yeah, I hope so, man. That'd be imagine him as a mentor to Knox. Like that that would be so Dude, I'm being entirely honest. So I've been thinking about this a lot. Okay. You know, I've been watching a lot of the NBA and I've decided that Kevin Durant is my favorite player in the NBA. Whoa! Wait. Where is that coming from? So at first you tell me you're a Bama fan, and now you tell me you're like KD. Do you want me to just hate you? <laughs> <laughs> Roll Tide! Okay, so I like Durant a lot just because he doesn't give a fuck. N- no, he, he gives too much of a fuck. That's the thing. It's all an act. He's just saying it because that he doesn't want to like be honest. Who the fuck <laughs> argues with people on Twitter if you don't like actions speak louder than words, my guy? Hey, I'm fucking with you. Okay. I still don't like him. I, was, I will love I will I was, worship Durant if he comes to New York. I, bro, I was about to stab you with my <laughs> I My favorite God. player in the NBA is Giannis. Mm. 100%. Giannis, Giannis also has a little bit of that like, you know, almost like a Rudy style thing where you just like want to root for him. Yeah, dude, you know? I hope he wins the title this year. Yeah. Although, I think if Golden State wins, I think that means Durant's gone. I do too, yeah. Cuz he he only went there to win. Cuz it's kind of just like Okay. He's like streaming titles. Yeah. <laughs> he's it's not like, even like... It's very weird because, you know, he went there to win. He's won three in a row then at that point. What else? What more could he do? Yeah. At that point, what I really want, and I think this would be incredible for the NBA. Hmm. So if the Knicks could get Durant, right? And, you know, they get KP back. Knox keeps developing. And our NBA draft develop, develops. Hopefully we get a Dookie. One of the three. I, I still want Zion. Yeah. I disagree with you on the Reddish thing. I'd prefer Barrett. Really? I think he I, I think he's the college version of James Harden. And that Ooh, appeals to me. Okay. That's that's a really good comparison. I, I, Cam really, Reddish is more of like a Paul George. Yes, he and is. And I just I think he fits better with our team. I think Barrett will be better individually, but you gotta, okay. you gotta draft for fit, especially around now that we have Knox. Like mm-hmm. I know you don't want to think like, oh Knox will be better than both of them, because I don't know. Um, but Knox looks like a hell of a pick right now. Yeah, and um, that's what you I know, wanted. It's very interesting, you know, because a lot of the Knicks fans wanted MPJ, but I I remember, and I'm not not to toot my own horn, but credit to me, I always wanted Knox. Same here, man. And I, was, I remember you saying that too. Yeah, yeah, and everyone was like, "Who is this dude?" But anyway, yeah, that's a lot of Knicks right here. Um, hey, but yeah, it was maybe a future podcast. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Yeah, let's, let's get Kevin Knight. You heard it. You hear heard it here first. <laughs> if this college thing doesn't work out, um, whoever's good first between Georgetown and the Knicks. Honestly, they're on similar trajectory. Yeah, it's, they're so similar. I, Georgetown like, is ahead. My here life. on like you know, but college it takes time to yeah. build. The yeah. learning curve is tougher. Yeah, and the NBA, it's like all right, Kevin Durant's a free agent. If he comes to the Knicks, bang. Yeah, that's it. There's no, you know, it doesn't work on a guy in college. Yeah. Because it's, it's homegrown, and I think that's what makes people, you know, attached to it more. Yeah, so, like, when Mac McClung, Josh LeBlanc, James Akinja, when they're juniors, man, it, it, for us two, like, individually, we're, we're going to be alumni by that point. Yeah. I'm going to be an alumni, an alumnus, excuse me, after this semester. Yeah. It's going to be so weird. It's going to be, like... We're like crazy uncles. That yeah, like, come right. in. Like, like seeing our kids grow up. Yes, you know it's so fucking strange. But that's I think that's just the that's the weird way that sports work. And you know maybe if uh, maybe if you can turn this into a natty title with them, do you think we'll get rings? 
I don't know. I mean, we just, you heard it here first. <laughs> we'll, we'll ask him on the podcast. Yeah. When we get Ewing on after the end of the season, which will happen, I have a guarantee. I don't back up. I don't, I don't turn my back on guarantees. It's a promise. We will have him on. I swear by my life. Pat Ewing will be on this promise on this podcast. I will ask him if he wins a national title with this core freshman group. Will we get rings? <laughs> All right. <laughs> I will ask him. I'm, yeah, I'm not gonna laugh when you say it. I promise. And he's he might chuckle. And I'm gonna be like, I'm I'm completely serious, <laughs> <Yeah>. coach. <laughs> like, Where, what about my contribution <laughs> to this team? Answer the question, dog. Come on. I mean, you know you. The thing is, the team actually gives their broadcaster rings. That's the Capitals did. Seriously? Yeah, their team broadcaster got a ring. Wow. Okay. So, you know, you might want to reconsider about potentially making broadcasting yeah, well, okay. a full-time okay. thing, Carter. Okay, then. Well, we'll see. I still got to do my first game. But, yeah. Um, yeah, what do you... Uh, want to turn what, to our hot takes? Think, yeah, what else do you think is there? I think we covered most things. Big East play? Yeah, the Butler game was pretty... Um, you know, it was just... Greg's white Jesus moment. Yeah, he uh, There's nothing else really. He basically, you know, who was that character from Dora? Swiper no swiping. He swiped that <laughs> nickname. He swiped that nickname from Paulie Jorgensen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was he balled out that game. Um, but I think also, you know, not, I'm so happy Max back now because we, we've seen some of Greg's limitations. Great passer, great shooter, but can't really penetrate. Yeah, um, I'm always he had some nice penetration against St. John's, but. I think he it's just it's a rhythm thing. It feels forced when he does it. You he know? was shut down. Yeah, against um, Providence, he yeah. had nothing going for him. A buddy of mine said the best thing that Greg did was foul out, so Mac would come <laughs> in and make that three pointer. What a team player, right? Yeah. That's what you need from your transfer senior. Yeah. First, it's Trey getting kicked in the head, and then it's Greg fouling out. Hey, man. All for the freshman, right? It's it's paying it forward. Yeah, absolutely. But, but yeah. with that, you want to get into a little bit of hot takes? Yeah, let's do it. Meanwhile, we're dancing, doing the uh, Mac McClung right yeah, now. Baby. The little hotline bling. That's a cool. I'm I'm glad he still does that. From uh, I like I first saw it on his mixtapes, and he I'm is, glad he still does it with the team. I love his attitude, his energy. When he made there was one. I should we were we were talking about this before the podcast. It was in double OT, I think. He came across the lane, made a strong lefty layup, mm-hmm. turned, brought his fist down, and did a little roar. Yeah. I mean, it was just awesome. He's mm-hmm. got, as you said, alpha energy. And, and it's, it's seriously weird to see someone like that with it, but it's it's awesome, man. Yeah. So, I'm going to... I want to start out with the hot takes. Okay. Marcus Howard... Drops 40 points on us tomorrow, and we still win. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's a double. That's a double-edged sword right there. Or no, a double-layered hot take. Yeah. Um, okay. The 40 points makes sense, but why? I was about to say. Yeah. <laughs> the more realistic one in that is that he drops 40 points on yeah. us, and we lose. Yeah. I think we win because I think. Marquette is similar to St. John's in the sense that they are so dependent upon 
Marcus Howard having a great game and scoring essentially 30 points. And I think Marquette is a different team on the road. When you look at their performances on the road this season at Indiana, they got shit-punked, 96-73. Granted, they lost versus Kansas by 9, but that makes a little bit more sense. They lost at St. John's by 20, and they should have lost at Creighton. Mm -hmm. They got lucky. Sam Hauser um, bailed them out with a huge shot. So I think that... They're going to come in. I think Howard's going to get his buckets because I don't think we have anyone that can defend them. And I think we're going to score a will against them. I think mm. Jesse's going to have a big game. I don't think their bigs can match up against him. And watch out. I think we're going to get a big performance from Greg Malinowski tomorrow. I think mm. he's going to put up 10 or more. Mm, a big performance. Um, give me a sec to digest that. I number fifteen, my ass gonna be a real shame when they lose. <laughs> real shame. Yeah, yeah, that's that's way too big of a line. That's way too big of a oh, line. Oh no, they're number fifteen in the nation. Oh the that's what you mean. Yeah, oh, I totally misunderstood that text. My bad. Um, yeah. I yeah, I could see that happening. A lot of a lot of Marcus Howard's buckets are from like ball screen threes where the big doesn't get up quickly enough. So that's going to be a real problem for us. But it would be a very Georgetown thing to beat Marquette. Yes. You know? And then, we like, usually have success against them at home, too. I okay. think we lost last year, but it was interesting because um, last year when we played them at home, uh, I believe that was the game where Jonathan Momore actually hit a buzzer-beating layup to send it into OT, and we lost in OT. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who's the dude? Andrew Rousey. Rousey. Oh, oh my God! It's always a short point guard. The short little white guy who just balled out against us. Yeah. I will say though, he's not on the team anymore. I mean, granted, Marquette's a very talented offensive team, but you can see that they're different on the road. They have a very strong home court advantage, but outside of Marcus Howard and the two Housers, Sam and Joey, they really don't have anyone that's. Intimidating as a scorer hmm. on offense. Yeah. So I think Jake and Mosley is going to see a lot of time. Yeah, they might even consider putting Pickett on. I could see that. On Howard. I could really see Howard's that. Howard's a very talented shooter. That's one of his best qualities is his ability to hit contested shots from the outside. So Ewing might... So don't be surprised if Ewing tries to tinker with that rotation and work with Pickett on uh, Howard to try to rattle him, get in his grill a little bit, but also have the length to prevent him from driving. The only concern is Howard's a very, very quick player on the perimeter. Will Pickett have the foot speed and the quickness laterally to stay with him? That's where Jagan comes in, and Jagan does have that. Jagan's strong, Mm -hmm. he's fast, and he's the charge master, whether it's on offense or defense. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my big prediction. Okay. My big prediction, I'll go bigger picture again. Um, I think that by the end of the year, it will be obvious that we have a top five freshman class in the country. Well then. 
when you said big picture, I was thinking maybe like top three in the Big East. I'd be like, all right, sure. Okay, Carter. <laughs> top five freshman class in the country. That's just like... Wow. Okay. Yeah. Color color me delusional, but... Color me cautiously optimistic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much with this, but... I, I think we have the it's it's a great combination of opportunity and talent. Very few freshmen are giving as are given have been given as much free reign as we have or our freshmen have to like not only make mistakes but also have big moments, right? Like all three of our freshmen have really good narratives behind them now. When you hear them talked about on TV during the live broadcast, all of these like, you know, ex players and like you know, we'll say, you know, high quality uh, basketball savants or whatever. Um, they speak really highly of them, right? And in terms of, this is maybe more from like a general perception angle than the actual stats, but like when you think about guards in the Big East, no one's really doing what, what James and Mac are doing, at least in a long time. Even the ones who, you know, are great now and the great guards that you kind of remember of the biggies like think of you know maybe Kemba back in the day Shimori now it takes them a while to ramp up but what James and Mack are doing now as freshmen I think is pretty unprecedented in all honesty I would say it's unprecedented in the sense of the lack of respect on the recruiting trail that they were given oh especially yeah especially given that Neither one were in the top 100. Even Josh. Josh wasn't in the top 100 either. He was until he got hurt his okay. senior year. Like, okay. he got, he like broke his leg and then came back. Literally, his, the only game he played that year was the title game. Okay. And he had 23 and 11. Okay, because I remember he balled out. But he was, he was like in the 90s or the 80s. It wasn't. Yeah, so, and even, even so with that, like, the two most heralded freshmen on our team are McKinjo. Yeah. Simple. And especially Mac, the amount of disrespect nationally. And it wasn't personal. Like, everybody loved that he was athletic. He was fun to watch. His highlight reel was awesome. But nobody expected him to come in and have the impact immediately. My favorite basketball analysis, analyst excuse me, is this guy who writes for Barstool Sports. His name's Bobby Regan. Mm-hmm. I think he's brilliant. I think he's incredibly intelligent with the game. And he wrote an article about James and Mac, and he was basically like, I think both of these players are underrated. I think they're going to perform better, but it's going to take them about two to three years to reach full potential. He was right, but their development has been in, it's basically like a NASCAR race. It's been, like, yeah. and if you think that, these guys are going to be here junior year, which they will be, probably 100%. Can you imagine? These two could be averaging 20 points a game yeah. a piece. Yeah, easily. James could be averaging 12 assists a game. Yeah. And it, it's it's real sad, too, to think that Jesse won't be here to grow and develop with them. I know. Because if any person deserves that, it's him. Yeah. Because Jesse's battled his own demons backing up Bradley Hayes. It took him a little bit. 
I wondered where you were going with that. I was like, oh my god, do you know something about him that I don't? <laughs> no, that was that was just more of like a he actually backed up Bradley Hayes. People forget that Bradley Hayes actually had a nice season when I was a freshman. Um, he played some good games, but Bradley Hayes, come on. Um, but I think it's a credit to Coach Ewing really helping Jesse reach his peak. And let me tell you something, Carter. After the game against um, whatever whatever it is, Providence, Jesse and Caleb were in tombs. You could hear people on the side of the bar being like, should we buy Jesse drinks? Because he really? deserves them. Wow. So it wasn't just me. <laughs> it wasn't just you. But yeah, back to the freshman point. Um, I think it, I think it's definitely unprecedented based on the lack of recognition nationally that both of these players received, and especially if they can continue to help us reel in big time wins and go on a little bit of a run in the Big East Conference tournament, mm-hmm. then I think your prediction might have some serious merit to it. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at, I'm trying to like back it up right now. Duke's better, obviously. I think Kentucky's better. Uh, Kansas probably better, and then UNC is probably better. But I well, seriously don't know another program. When you look at Kansas's program, their best player is Dietrich Lawson, and that's yeah. undeniable. He's probably, I would say, the best post player in the nation. He's easily the best passing post player in the yeah. nation, in my opinion. But what freshman do they have? They have Devon Dotson. Quentin Grimes. Quentin Grimes. But who's transferring now, right? Grimes is transferring? Wait, no, someone is. From Kansas. I thought someone was transferring. Oh, I thought it was Kentucky. Who knows? One of the Blue Bloods. Yeah. But Quentin Grimes and Devon Dotson are very solid players. Very, very... Devon Dotson's a very talented guard. Um, But yeah, it's interesting. It's right, right? You didn't really think of it, but like, I'm even going through the recruiting things now, and like, I'm looking at all of these players now who are playing. Like, the way James and Mac are playing now, and I don't want this to be, you know, muddled by the fact that they're giving such a free reign. They're looking like top 50 recruits. They are. Each of them. Like, and even Josh. Like, it's crazy. How many, how many other teams? Like in the U.S. Like compare, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Compare James to Javon Quinterly. No, like like seriously, and Javon Quinterly was like twenty fifth, yeah, you know, renowned five star, and he's good, right? Don't get me wrong, but just think about it. He's struggling just as much in the Big East, you know, shooting thirty four percent from the field, and meanwhile, James is like doing as well. With such a bigger responsibility. Yeah. It's wild when you think about it. I'm looking at the rookie classes, I mean the freshman class, excuse me, right now. And granted, a lot of it is just, you know, we watch so much of Georgetown. You don't look at a program that consistently reeled in a lot of players that have been performing collectively as well as Georgetown. Obviously, like Duke has the top three, and they're undoubtedly number one. UNC has a very talented freshman class with Nasir Little. Um, Little hasn't been that great, though. Kobe White has been better. Yes. White has been yeah. better. Yeah. Um, even Kentucky, you look at the players who they've brought in. Keldon Johnson, who's been Caleb's younger brother, actually, yep. who's played well. E.J. Montgomery has been very inconsistent. Yeah. 
Ashton Hagans has been, you know, inconsistent as well, but quickly. I'd say the combined overall raw talent. Yeah. Don't forget about Tyler Hero. He's probably been their second best freshman behind Keldon. Yeah, Hero actually is. He's coming on. Yeah, he's playing real well. Real, real well. Kansas, I mean, yeah, Quentin Grimes, he's been, I think Dotson's been better than him. Yeah. So far this season, but honestly. Right, think about it. Stay woke. Right? Who would you, like, right now? It's it's wild when you say that. And you actually look at it and you're like, shit. Yeah. You, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't, don't at me. Um, but, yeah, that's my take. I think all three of our freshmen make Big East freshman of the year oh, first team. Easy. Um, James is probably Big East freshman of the year. I would agree um, with that 100%. Uh, Just joking. It's Quinn Early. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oof. Don't even know. I mean, Quinterly's coming along, to be honest. He's making progress, but he's not where Mac and James are right now. Yeah, which is insane. If you're talking about... It's insane. Like, these dudes... Like, these guys had nothing going for them as far as, like, national recognition. It's It's wild. It's insane. And that's why it's weird, because if Coach, if Big Pat can reel in, like, one, like, one good recruit. We have the chance to potentially be ranked preseason next year. That's also a hot take. Wow. Yeah. Call Anthony, wink, wink. Call Anthony. Please. (laughs) Please. He's probably not going to decide for a little while. He won't decide until probably about April. He probably won't decide until the season ends. And he can see which direction yeah. each program is going. Yeah. Because if we can... And now, I think it's safe to say if we had dropped this game against Providence, our tournament hopes were basically on life support. They were on life support before then, in my opinion. Losing to Providence at home, Providence being winless. It would have taken a lot from now until the Big East tournament yeah. to really show that we deserved an at-large bid, which I don't think that would have happened. I think it would have been more likely that we got an NIT invitation yeah. than anything else. And I think I don't think that's the end of the world for this program, but I think we do have the talent to play in an NCAA tournament game and potentially, depending on the match- matchup, surprise and turn some people's heads. Hmm. And who knows? Yeah. We've seen crazier things happen at UMBC. Yeah, we really have. I still don't... (laughs) Could you imagine? If if we were the 16 seed? I mean, we wouldn't be the 16 seed, especially if we won, like, the Big East conference tournament or something. Because I think... I still think that's really, like, the way we have to... We have to get in. Yeah. Like, we've already dug ourselves too big of a hole. Yes. You look at our record. Like, okay, so who's our best win? Providence at home. (laughs) Providence doesn't good. Yeah. Like... Okay, so the, the the committee would be like, all right, they've played Syracuse at Syracuse tight, great. Syracuse just lost against Georgia Tech. They played St. John's tight, all right, St. John's lost to DePaul. Yeah. So if we're going to, if we really want to make noise, they have to, we have to start winning some of these battles against better teams, and that starts tomorrow. It does. It does. If we can beat a top 15 team in our in our stadium... That can that that would go a long way to being like okay we've turned a corner 
we got our eyes set on the prize. Yeah, I wonder what our next letdown would be after that. Don't say the ball. Don't say the ball. Don't say the ball. <laughs> <laughs> I already I already uttered the words before on our last episode, so I won't I won't double dip. But yeah, I don't, I still don't think a tournament runs in the cards, but. It's it's tough at this point to just see the week over week process and not be encouraged. I think that's a hundred percent fair to say. Yeah. So we'll see. I'm telling you, by the end of the year, it's gonna be the there's gonna be buzz again. I think. I agree. I agree. And who knows? It'll be fun to talk to Big Pat at the end of the year about his expectations following this season. Yeah. Because yeah. you know, we're just speaking it into existence that he's going to be on here. <laughs> LeVar Bars, although we're taking a page out of LeVar Ball's book. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I, the podcast is getting a little bit of buzz around campus, too. I've, I've, I've had people come up to me complimenting both of us on mm. campus. I didn't even know listen to the podcast. Yeah, okay. Nice. Speaking of the devil, do you know Bailey from Build? Yeah. Remember Bailey? Yeah, do I know Bailey? Yeah, okay. Yes, sorry, 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 sorry. It's my job to know people from Build. All right, relax. Which I'm spotty in doing, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Build is Georgetown's resident business school called FYI for the listeners. But um, she told me that she listened to it with her family at their Thanksgiving table. And I was like, whoa, Yo, all right. We actually, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's Yo, what? That's so and I was like, oh, I'm so sorry you had to hear this with your family. Oh, my Cardu, we're morons. <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't. I think it was pretty obvious the intention of the podcast wasn't to <laughs> wasn't have family. over some turkey and cranberries. You know, what I mean? dude. It, could you imagine? This is more like a monster in a Budweiser oh, type of podcast, bro. Yeah, you know, a little uh, little whiskey on the rocks, mix it with some Coca Cola. Yeah, yeah. It's like Georgetown basketball requires alcohol. <laughs> Could you imagine just sitting around the table of Thanksgiving and your Yeezus R2 voices in the background just like, God damn it, we lost again! (laughs) No, no, I can't. So I'd be so embarrassed sitting there with my family listening because my family... Yeah, they're probably just like, yeah. yeah, um, A funny story actually is um, my uncle, he's a 67-year-old man. He's louder than me. He's, he hearing's going a little bit, but he he visited me on campus last semester, and one of the waitresses from Tombs came up and was speaking to me. Yeah, she was just being friendly. You know, it's a, it's a job of a waitress, right, to be yeah. friendly. And I guess my uncle wanted to help me out. <laughs> yeah, and goes. Do you listen to basketball? <laughs> She's like, excuse me? Oh, yeah. It was like one of the most brutal interactions of all time. Wow. But you know, when you get the reputation, Carter. <laughs> yeah, we're out here. We're really out here. Yeah, it's fun. It's great. It's great stuff. Um, we're still working on that player interview. There have been some complications, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, we think our connect got fired. <laughs> uh, we're not entirely certain what happened to her um her email unfortunately was deactivated um and there's a new um person who's yeah. working with the communications of the men's basketball team so hopefully you know i haven't heard from her hopefully we sh- we wish her the best um she always treated both of us with the utmost respect and professionalism mm-hmm. and we thought she did a hell of a job in her position so she definitely had a positive effect on both of us. I loved, I always loved running into her. She did a great job. She helped me out with Syracuse. So I, I am very grateful for how she impacted us and her willingness to engage with us and have the conversation about bringing, you know, 
an athlete onto the podcast um, because it seems like it really hasn't ever been done before in a very long time. So hopefully we can continue that conversation with Mr. Jeff Messman and bring the player who we are in discussion with interviewing, which we're going to continue to keep that a secret. Yeah. Um, because you're, you're dancing around this thing like a tightrope. Yeah. <laughs> um, hopefully we can bring him on because we had a great, we had a great plan for it. It was going to be a really fun, but informative interview about yeah. him, his past, his perception of things at Georgetown, his role in the team. It would have been all around great. And hopefully we can get that and continue to build. But we also have a ton of different other candidates that we'd love to bring on. And if anyone who uh, is out there listening wants to come on and shoot the shit about Georgetown basketball, yeah, seriously, hit us both up on uh, you know email, Facebook. If you have our numbers, text us. Like we love interacting with student fans. We love hearing your ideas, your things. Especially if you disagree with one of us, we'd love yeah. to have a yeah. discussion with you guys and hear where you guys come from. Because a lot of times Carter and I we're on the same page, mm-hmm. um, unlike our biggies <laughs> predictions. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we. We love we love debate. We love friendly interaction. You know, yeah. So just if you ever want to hit us up, yeah, yeah. I think now too we both realize also it's more important for um, us to try to create a community here as much as we love to hear ourselves speak and pontificate about the team. So that's something we hope to develop as we start to do episodes twice a week. I mean, we're not even doing once a week right now. So we, <laughs> we're getting back in the swing talk. Of we we are. Yeah, that's true. We're getting back in the swing of things, but. Um, I think once we find our rhythm, there'll be like a real nice, you know, pocket of chemistry uh, developing. We'll try to have different guests on. Maybe you know, start adding some thematic twists to the podcast. <gasps> dun dun dun. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Georgetown is the Grim Reaper. <laughs> yeah. Right now, we've just been going. We we've just been uh, developing this podcast in uh, in line with the Bird Box Challenge. It's just blindfolded. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, did you see there was something so funny? You know how, like, trash NBA refs have been recently? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, CP3 did something. He tweeted, like, oh, so refs are doing the Bird Box Challenge in games now? Yes, that and, was the... Yeah. And he didn't get fined for it. That was the that was the Rockets-Warriors uh, matchup yeah. when, when James Harden basically just said, I'm putting the team on my back. Yeah, he's been so good. He has been. He has been. I'm just curious right now. All right, this is not really Georgetown basketball related, but yeah. do you still think Golden State's the favorite? Yeah. Who do you say? Who do you think East or West has the best chance to knock them off? The Raptors. I've said that since the beginning of the year. They're my finals pick. I think they lose in six to the Warriors. Certainly doesn't look like the Celtics are going to make it. Nah, fuck the Celtics. <laughs> I, yeah, if, they were, if they were a college team that lost to the Knicks earlier in the year, is like ugh, just sticks out like a blemish. Do you think the Thunder have any chance in the West? Uh, no. Just because I don't think... Uh, I haven't seen Paul George play well enough in the playoffs to trust him. And I think Westbrook has too much of an alpha mentality to where he won't trust PG enough either if he's not showing up. And then he'll just start pulling threes and missing all of them. Okay. So, I think they probably lose in the second round. Wow. You think LeBron's getting back to the conference title? I say yes. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, man. Who with the Lakers? I don't know how the seating would work. But I, I would trust uh, after the Warriors, I think it's fair game to see who plays them in the conference finals. My, just, my opinion. It could be the Lakers. It could be the Spurs. It could Everyone's be. They're coming sleeping on the Spurs. Yeah. They're a very deep team. 
We, again, who just, like with a with proven playoff performers? I know DeRozan's never been great. In the that playoffs, was about but I was about to say that. Lamarcus has been a stud every time he's been in the playoffs. The one matchup that I desperately want to see is the Eastern Conference Finals: Raptors Bucks. I think the that best. Would be so good. I think the top offseason acquisition has been Budenholzer for Milwaukee. I agree. I mean, he has just transformed that team. And Giannis is, in my opinion, the end, he should be the MVP this season yeah, with I the agree. way he's been playing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, who knows? Maybe there's an NBA podcast in store at some point yeah, in the future. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? We you gotta... know, when, we're, when we're adults, both successful, wildly yeah. famous. <laughs> yeah. Still dorky. Yep. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, we're bleeding over into things a little bit. But this is like our coffee chat. So we're catching up. But, yeah, thank you guys again for listening. Um, Fingers crossed on the Marquette game. I honestly, because we're Georgetown, I think we win. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Usually you're the pessimist. I know. (laughs) It's pessimist in a way of, like, I'm almost always wrong (laughs) about this stuff. So might as well go against my gut. Um, or against, or against what common logic. Carter said we were going to get blown out against Syracuse. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, um, I was right about the heartbreaker though with St. John's. Oh, you were one hundred percent right. I thought that we were gonna get waxed in that game. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, anyway, yeah. Thank you guys again for listening. We will obviously keep you as updated as we can about the player interview and our future plans for the podcast. But do expect to be hearing a lot more from us. Um, you know, as the season progresses and we learn more and more about the team over Big East play. Of course. And with that being said, enjoy uh, Tuesday. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday classes. Things are getting back. Friday classes. What is that? <laughs> yeah, facts. Like honestly, for all my MSP people out there, you guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. But uh, with that, Hoya Saxa, stay safe, have fun, and enjoy, folks.